Welcome to the fifth episode of VHTML 2023 Recaps from Reality TV Warriors. My name is Michael Armstrong, and joining me this season is the guy who can only be described as our discotheque door bitch, David Bindley. I knew that was coming. I know you did. I had to weave it in somewhere. It's one of those quotes that just kind of leaps out of the episode, and I go immediately, that's going to be someone's intro. Yep. And it turns <laughs> out the someone is me. The someone is always you, because I've not got Saunders to bully. No. Because God knows where Logan Saunders is right now. Well, last I heard, he was trapped in a nondescript Sydney oubliette. Ah. Some kids keep trying to use him as an escape ladder, but every time they get close to the, the little door in the roof, somebody stomps on their fingers and sprays a pressure hose through the hole. And who would do that? Poor Logan. Yeah. The last thing he ever heard was, shut up, you little shit, and keep digging, just to make sure he's never going to be able to climb to the top. Yep. And the good news on the actual Logan Saunders front is he has finally given us his top suspicions for weeks three and four. He still hasn't done week five, because we're recording this fairly early in the week as always, but he's still not done week five, but his suspicions for week three were Anka, Ronomi, and Daniel, and his week four ones were Anka and Daniel. Also out of interest, I googled Daniel's name yesterday, and do you know what the second uh, second most popular Google term for um, for Daniel Verlan is? Is it fuckbond? You're close. It is Daniel Verlan Anka de Young. Oh, that was the second Google suggested search, huh. which I thought was very interesting. Obviously, people are, uh, are going, are Daniel and Anka a thing? Uh, it's not like we're really getting a huge amount out of anyone else at the moment. No, they are, I would say, by far the two biggest characters of the season. And one other thing I did want to point out is that last episode we mocked Soy a lot for wearing a massive jumper. Oh god, the baby alpaca thing? Yeah, the baby alpaca thing that looked like it was from Claudia Winkleman's collection from the Traitors. <laughs> Did you also notice that he was wearing it with shorts? No! When he stood up this week, you could see he was wearing shorts. So he had this <laughs> massive thick jumper on, and then just kind of thin shorts. No. Wow. Up until this point, I was mocking him for it, but it is entirely what I'm wearing today. <laughs> yep, me too. It's the middle of summer here at the moment, and it's 8 degrees, so, you know... Yeah, it's the middle of not summer here, and it's currently high of about six today, so it's currently two degrees gone to my watch. It's almost speedo weather. And yeah, we are just kind of avoiding talking about this episode properly, because after four weeks of us saying, yes, they've turned a corner on this season, they don't need to do more money, they don't need to do any bullshit twists to keep the pot low, we get both of those things in this episode. Yep. And quite a lot of both of those things, actually. Mm-hmm. So previously, the group showed off their big duck energy as Daniel and Anik tried to convince them not to open the mystery envelope. Someone saves themselves with a big case, sending Anik home with an empty case, and ending the episode with Rick asking Nabil and Soy to join him with their big cases. Rick then tells us that it was a huge shot that Anik was the collateral from someone saving themselves. Nabil and Soy were removed from the group, but the other four also don't know that they will be gambling with the contents of their two cases in an upcoming challenge. And of course, whenever you hear the word gambling on Vistamol, you know that it's just going to end badly. Every single time. The episode title is Portraits. We pick up on day nine in Tullback, and Rick talking to Soy and Nabil and their 4,750 euros in their cases. If they can correctly predict what the other four will do, they could double it to 9,500 euros. The other four will receive a dilemma the next day. They will receive two envelopes each, one with a yoker and one with a euro sign. Nabil and Soy must convince them to pick the money envelopes, as it will be doubled, and they will earn a yoker for themselves. If they fail to convince the others to take the money, they will lose that money, and the other candidates will get the yoker. 
So basically, it's the poor dead Janine challenge from the last time they were in South Africa, minus the risk, and then therefore minus the entertainment value. Yeah, essentially. Yeah. And the others will be doing an assignment without them on day nine, while Cy and Nabil choose where to place their money. And being perfectly honest, this was pointless, because how long does it take for you to decide whether to put money in one envelope or another? Yeah. This was more you know, get them out of the way for an episode sort of thing instead of, you know, doing any anything that was actually worth it. The big question that comes from this whole twist is, do you think the mole would want to be sidelined for a challenge? I think it depends how much money they ended up being able to wager with. Like, I, because they had so much money there to work with, I don't think the mole would have been too mad about missing out on, you know, losing the money in the church challenge by comparison because the church challenge they were never going to get the 2000 anyway so you say maximum of whatever they got there it's probably a thousand really if you balance a thousand in that challenge versus i think 1250 is what nabil had for his cases in this challenge i think you'd probably go with the sitting out if you can yeah so the combined total of their two cases was 4750 yeah so Nabil had the two and a half thousand and Soy had two two five oh. I think the mole probably wouldn't want to be isolated from the group, purely because you can have an impact on the first challenge and an impact on whether money actually goes in the pot or not. Yeah. And getting to the end of the episode already, I am very much in two minds about Euro's behaviour, because I feel like he's being far too blatant trying to sabotage people and trying to get in the way, and trying to distract Anchor. And I'd like to think a mole would be a bit more subtle than that. Yeah. The only thing that's making me doubt that is there's not really a lot of sabotage anyone else is doing at the moment. <laughs> well, I'm not sure about the church challenge. I think there was a fair bit of sabotage. Oh, in the you know what I mean. But like, there's yeah. not enough of like a consistent pattern from anyone else. Because it's not Daniel, it's not Renomi can probably rule out Soy because he's really sort of background at this point. I was a bit more suspicious of Daniel this week than I have been since week one. Oh. He was a little bit medley this yeah. week, I would say. If it isn't Yura, and please God, it isn't, mm-hmm. then it's either Anchor or Daniel, hmm. I think. I think they are a clear top three for suspects now, because Yura is a bit too obvious for me. Daniel did some slightly suspicious things this week, especially with regards to his translation of a certain Morse code phrase, which we still don't know the correct answer for. And also him and Renomi were just fucking about in that church. And I think if the mole was in that church challenge, the best place for them would be inside the church, and it sure as hell isn't Renomi. Interesting. So Nabil says that he's on good terms with Renomi and Daniel, and so he takes Anchor and Yura. Nabil splits his money equally with 1250 for Daniel and 1250 for Renomi. And he suggests that Soy does reverse psychology with Anchor and puts the money in the Yoka envelope. I thought it was odd that Nabil was like, oh, I'm so tight with Daniel when we've barely seen them interact this whole season. It's because they're on my team. Hmm. They preemptively knew that they would end up on my same pool team. Yeah. They also did something very interesting when introducing the church challenge, which is actually an unintentional callback for us. Because. The piece of music that they choose to introduce the church challenge seemed vaguely familiar to me. 
It wasn't Shoshaloza, was it? It wasn't Shoshaloza, but I did a What Song Is This on my phone. Yep. And it's it's a song called God Bless Africa. Mm-hmm. Afrikaans. I'm not even going to try and pronounce the Afrikaans, but it's called God Bless Africa in English. By the Stellenbosch University Choir. Oh. Which is the choir I mentioned in week one as doing fantastic music. And before I had watched this episode yesterday, I was talking about Stellenbosch with my family and said, they have a fantastic university choir there. Oh. <laughs> So I actually, in week one, ended up summoning the Stellenbosch University Choir and immediately YouTube their their amazing performances because mm. they are just perfect. Yeah, that was really good music. Yeah, it was. They're just insanely talented, mm-hmm. the, the members of the Stellenbosch University Choir. And please, you know, fly me out to Stellenbosch. So the other four meet Rick at Tullbach's church. And he says it's a special church as everyone brings their own chair and has their own place in the church. And they will have to work out who is who and put them in the right place before the service starts. And they will split into pairs. One pair will be outside working out who is who on their way to the service, while the other pair will use the outside team's directions to place everyone in the church. And every correct person earns 100 euros for the pot. I have to say it, some of the descriptions were slightly more flattering than others. Uh, cat lady. The cat lady one was pretty savage. My personal favourite was sneaks out early. <laughs> We also had almost deaf. Not completely <laughs> deaf, almost deaf. Yeah. There's just some really odd, funny descriptions. Mm. I would have loved to see Belgium do this sort of challenge and just yeah. really go ham on the stupid descriptions. Mm-hmm. Alter Ego is a really spectacular pun for a challenge title, by the way. It is, yes. Despite our huge amounts of reservations with the production of this episode in particular, they're still holding their own when it comes to to some title puns. We'll give them that. Like, this was a really not great episode, but none of that is because of this challenge. No, this challenge is absolutely fantastic. Yeah. It might actually be my favourite challenge of the season so far. More than the choir? I do love the choir challenge, but the other side of the choir challenge was a bit weird. I didn't love the, the whole help them aspect of it. I loved the actual non-show showloser aspects of it. Oh, yeah. Whereas this one is just a strong challenge on both sides of it. Because it's utter, utter chaos. And it also benefits the mole in that it's basically down to people being paired up now. So they've only got one person to try and fool at a time. Do you think this would have worked as well if they'd had all six players involved? I think it could have been done with all six players. I'm not sure it would have worked as well. Would you have had like three and three, or would you still have two inside and then four people with walkie-talkies? No, it would have been three and three, I suspect. Because Anchor and Yoro had walkie-talkies each, but Renomi and Daniel shared one. Yeah. So I suspect it it just would have ended up with three people outside and then all three inside sharing a walkie-talkie. Mm. It would have been interesting to see what they would have done if Sarah had got back in the game. Because would there still be seven people here? Or five playing this challenge? I don't know. I, sus- I suspect they probably would have done a, not- a double elimination by now if that had happened. Yeah. It's just interesting. Mm. So Daniel and Renomi immediately want to go inside, leaving Anchor and Yura to be the outside team. They find an easel in the church with the 20 descriptions, and they realise that it's a bit more difficult than anticipated. Anchor meets the first woman, which is Mary Louise, who knits little socks for cats. She, as they correctly identify, is the cat lady. What would be your strategy with this challenge? I think it's probably the easiest way to do it. 
would be to have whoever's in Daniel and Renami's position just sort of read out the clues and then you can sort of, okay, are you, do you live at Church Street? Are you a butcher? You know, all of those sort of questions. And then you can find out the answers quickly rather than just, you know, what's your name? What's your job? Is that helpful to you guys inside? Because it seemed like a lot of the problem here was like the wrong information getting to Daniel and Renomi. Yeah, this is why I'm inherently suspicious of Daniel this week, because as a supposed super fan of this show, you've seen this type of challenge over and over and over again. Hmm. You know that you are in control of the pertinent information. So you tell them the pertinent information. You tell them there's like one or two names that they actually have. Yeah. You ask them to look for whoever's father, son, wife, husband. Yeah. And then you tell them exactly what to focus on. And I cannot believe between him and Renomi, who is a known super fan of this show, that neither of them thought, oh, we actually have to tell them the sort of information we're looking for. Neither of them thought to even take any notes until like five minutes before the end. No. I cannot believe between the two of them that they didn't even think to to do any of this stuff. Which makes it more shocking. Like, you're I can believe it, because there's not a chance in hell he's ever seen this show before. Anchor, I think, is just deliberately trying to be suspicious to help Daniel and her bond if he's not the mole. But I cannot believe between Renomi and Daniel that neither of them thought, oh shit, we actually need to give them specific information we're looking for here. Which makes me more suspicious of Daniel than anything. Hmm. This was just a complete clusterfuck. You know, the, the best kind, but still. But the absolute mess of it comes from the inside the church team, I think, rather than the outside the church team, because they didn't know what they were looking for. Although I don't think Anka and Euro really helped that much, especially Euro just basically getting at like the name, the occupation, and then just walking off, even after he knew like the information he had wasn't relevant. And then rather than, you know, keep going, you know, try and find what works, just be like, okay, have fun, bye. Like it seemed to me like if it had spent, you know, an extra 30 seconds talking to each person, they might have got a couple more than they did. Yeah, I would say there are more sabotage opportunities in being inside the church rather than outside. Because mm. all you can do as a mole outside is not get as much information as you know you're looking for with that person. Inside, you've got the not telling the outside team what they're looking for. You've got the opportunity to put people in the wrong place. And you've got the ability to not make the notes that would help. It is way easier to sabotage from an inside the church position than an outside the church position, I would say. And this isn't even me being in a Daniel tunnel. I'm inherently suspicious of him this week, but I'm still more an anchor than I am on Daniel. I think the other thing we don't really know is what the time limit was, because like some of these people stop and talk to Anka, some of them you know keep walking. Like we don't know whether there was they had to be at the church by a set time, whether it was you know just a thing for TV, where you know when they get there they get there. But it was before the service starts was the official term. Yeah, but you know how how long until the service starts? It was probably within 30 to 60 minutes, I reckon. Yeah. We never get a Vidim challenge that's longer than 30 to 60 minutes anymore. Hmm. So Yura meets Christy, who's a painter, and he's a bit less easy to find things out about than Mary Louise was, who just volunteers the information that she's absolutely mental. I got the distinct impression that they basically knew what their own fact was, and then Christy or Katsia or whatever his name was, was like, okay, 
if they ask that specific thing, I'm going to give them the information. But then after that, I'm not going to tell them anything like that one game on the genius. I just love the contrast between him and Marie Claire. Marie Claire's first words are, yes, I knit socks for cats. Mm. And his is just like, <laughs> yeah, I'm not telling you anything. You've got to work for it, bitch. <laughs> and I love that there's not only there's the contrast between him and Marie Claire, there's a contrast between him and you are just like visually. Because <laughs> you are is like really, really tiny. And then Christy is, you know. Not. Yeah, quite bulky bear of a man, as, as Yura put it. Yeah, I was going to say, at one point, Yura does just call him a bear. Yeah, I think the funniest thing about that is he says it in Dutch when he's talking to Daniel and that, and Christy seems to know what he's saying because he reacts to it. Well, I presume it's the same in Afrikaans. I presume Probably. it's bear in Afrikaans, because it's, it's spelled differently, but it's uh, it's pronounced exactly the same. And, you know, let, let's be honest, if you're trying to predict what somebody who speaks Afrikaans looks like. Probably a little bit like him. I think he can probably guess what bear of a man means. Yeah. Even if it's in Dutch. The other brilliant interaction that I probably should not have laughed at as much as I did was Anka trying to talk to the almost deaf woman. (laughs) Because this is the sort of thing they would never in a million years get away with on English language television. No. This is very much skirting the line of what is acceptable in television. Hmm. And I kind of love the the ballsiness of going, yeah, let's chuck an almost deaf woman in there and make them try and talk to her. Because she's far more receptive with Daniel and Renomi than she is with Anka and Yura. She did not want to talk to Anka or Yura, which is hilarious (laughs) to me. Especially as the really savage thing is, they're not allowed to talk to Daniel and Renomi when they get to the church. So she rushes past Anka and Yura so she doesn't have to talk to them and tell them that she's deaf. And then Daniel and Renomi can't really find out that she's deaf. And they still put her in the right place. Yeah. Because I think I think it probably was her reaction to Daniel saying hello to her, her just kind of not responding properly. They go, ah, oh, maybe she's the deaf one. Uh-huh. I think that's probably what it was. Because Daniel and Renomi actually do the broadly sensible thing of greeting people as they walk in. So whilst they can't respond, Daniel and Renomi can at least try and puzzle out who the deaf person is. Yeah. But they did some, you know, as much as they did a lot of things that were really dumb, they did a couple of, like, really, really clever things, like greeting them, realising that the person who's going to be late is going to be late. I love that joke, and I love that Renomi got the payoff for it. I'm, I'm kind of disappointed that they didn't have the person who was going to leave early leave early and then just not be in their seat so the team doesn't win the money. And then and then they'd realise they'd probably just have to have like Anka sit there or something. I am fascinated to find out who the person who was meant to leave early was. Mm. Because that's not the sort of reputation you really want in a, a community as small as Toolback. I, I hope it was Katsaya and nobody has dared challenge him. So as you said, Renomi claims that the person who's always late will be the last one to arrive so they need to leave a space for them. And Yora describes himself as a discotheque door bitch. Someone then starts pressing the walkie-talkie button while Anchor is describing, which can only be Yora or Daniel. And it's interesting how one of the statements is Vicky's father, and she doesn't know who he is or where he is, but Daniel did say to Yora and Anchor that they don't need any names earlier in the challenge. Hmm. Daniel specifically says they don't need anyone's names, hmm. and yet... 
there are at least two or three where they do need names. I'm trying not to go down a Daniel Tunnel, but he shot up my suspect list this week purely because he did some really shady shit in a position the Mole would probably want to be in this challenge. But he was also the only person who won any money at all in the second half of the episode. He was, but I think he probably knew how chaotic that last challenge was going to be, and it makes him look like a hero. Hmm. The Mole doesn't really need to lose the money out of their box. They just need to know that everyone else is going to, which is exactly what happened. I love that Uncle was like completely flummoxed by the concept of a fruit grower, especially because she's had plenty of experience with banana this season. Hey, there we go. That was the set all we wanted. <laughs> You're welcome, everybody. What else do we have you for? <laughs> so inexplicably, the last person to arrive is indeed the one that Renomi is expecting to be the late one, and she is also the only person who actually talks in the church and apologizes for being late. Rick is then a completely shady bitch and makes Daniel and Renomi ask each person if their identities are correct, including a young girl being asked if she's Vicky and Mike's father. <laughs> Rick knows what the payoff is going to be from that, and he makes them do it anyway. He could have just asked everyone to stand up if their identities were right, but oh no, there yeah. is a delicious bit of bitchiness to be had. And they get a total of seven correct, meaning 700 euros. And for the first time this season, Rick has real money and Anchor is volunteered as treasurer. Boo. Yeah. We're back to old Vidim now. I had such high hopes for this season and they're just kind of falling back on their old ways now. I feel like the sort of situation being back to the way it was sort of exemplified perfectly by Renomi's face where they have the walkie-talkie fuck-up. Like, because she realizes what's going on and she's like completely bored, staring off into the distance. It's like, oh, we're doing this shit again. Well, the irony is, for the first four episodes of this season, we've talked about the fact that they've turned over a new leaf and they're trying to copy a bit of Belkia and it's working and it's making the season really fun and really unique for once. Hmm. And then this episode, the joke at the end of the episode is basically nothing happened. Yeah. And everything is back to normal. And you have. Arguably a, an alright way of doing the inevitable non-elimination episode. Hmm. But you also have the walkie-talkie fuck-up coming back for the first time this season. There's been kind of whispers of it earlier in the season, but we actually have an explicit one here. You have the treasurer being reintroduced, which means that the money is now at risk in case the mole is the treasurer. Again, South Africa. You have just the weird pot drain challenge that they love to do halfway through the season, and like we have talked in previous episodes about how this season feels fun because they're actually playing for a decent amount of money. Yeah. It's not interesting watching them play for Bus Fair Home. No. And now we're back down to basically where it was this time last season. Yeah. Oh, in fact, this time last season, they were on 9,450 euros. Yeah. Which arguably would have dropped to 4,450, but they didn't know that. And that mm. was excluding the 250 euros that Kim Leanne had hoarded by that point. I miss Kim Leon and Frasier and, you know, people I wanted to see win. It just doesn't feel as fun when yeah. people are playing for, at this point in the season, six grand. Yeah. It's actually a lot of the same arguments that were happening on Bothers Bar Discord with um, Limitless Win about how, yes, there's a glut of money involved, but every outcome feels disappointing. Like, yeah. every outcome feels disappointing here because... We know they're not going to let the pot go above 10,000 euros mm. now, probably. Yeah. It would take an absolute miracle for it to go over 10,000 euros. 
And that just kind of feels underwhelming after four episodes of, oh, we might actually have a decent pot again for once in this yeah. show. I don't think it helps that this doesn't feel like a particularly likable cast. I was think- thinking about it because I was reading the comments on one of the YouTube videos last night, and someone basically pointed out, like, Renomi and Daniel Anka, so they're all fine, but you, there's not really anybody here who would feel like a satisfying winner or no. like a winner you'd actually like to see win. Like, I guess it would be good to see Renomi win, but you want her to do things. I think the closest person to that would be Daniel at this point. Even though I find him inherently suspicious this week, he at least feels like he would be really satisfied to win and really excited to win and win as a fan of the show. But also he's had a decent enough edit where you can go, actually, I want him to win. Everyone else really hasn't. Anchor maybe, but I still think she's a mole. Definitely not Yura. Soy barely there. Nabil. I come and go with Nabil. I will say this at this point halfway through the season. I think most people think that Yura is going to be the mole at this point. And I'm assuming you will at the end of the episode without us having talked about this. Because, you know, four weeks of history on this show already. Yeah. I think that Yura would be the least satisfying mole in this cast of any of the ten people. Mm. Because he is so blatantly, disappointingly, boringly obvious if he is the mole. I like my moles to have a little bit of fun and surprise associated with them. He isn't a Yeroan-level mole if he was the mole. Mm. But he isn't a good mole. And isn't a satisfying mole. And I say this over and over and over again on the podcast, and this is what, season 16, 17 that we've done of this show? I can't remember whether it's 17, including the historians we've not talked about yet. But I don't mind being duped to the end of a season, as long as it is satisfying and as long as it makes sense. Yura being the mole would be disappointing at the end of the season, but I don't feel like I have been tricked. And I don't feel like he would be a satisfying mole if it is him at the end of the season. Yeah, I I feel like the only outcome that we've really got that would be satisfying as a mole at this point is Nabil. I mean, I'd be perfectly happy with that given he's on my team. Yeah, but like, Daniel has basically controlled the entire season and that kind of wouldn't be that entertaining. Renomi's not there. Soy doesn't do a hell of a lot. Yura honestly would be terrible as, as the mole but he's doing more mulling than basically the rest of the cast put together. So that leaves Anka and Nabil. And Anka's whole situation kind of feels like the situation in uh, El Salvador and Nicaragua. Like It feels like that kind of situation where the mole and the winner are so close together that it kind of like puts a shadow over the rest of the season if it's her and then Daniel wins. But if it's her, I don't see how anyone else can win because nobody else is really keeping an eye on her. The reason that I think they are going to be winner and mole as a pair is because we still haven't had the payoff of the fuck bond. Yeah. The fuck bond was established in episode one and has not really been much mentioned of it since. Yeah. And editors aren't stupid. They wouldn't put something in unless it was relevant to the show, I would say. Yeah. Especially with regards to alliances. Like, as you said earlier, Nabil says that he's really close with Daniel, but we've not seen any of it. Yeah. Daniel is close to Anchor, and we have seen something about it, which makes me think that 
that that's going to have some sort of payoff. Either one of them gets executed, the other one ends up winning, or one of them is the winner, one of them is the mole. I can't see any other outcome than that, being brutally honest. I will say it's interesting because I got the mole book here during the week. Oh, did you? You've not mentioned it. No, because we completely skipped over how the How Was Your Week stuff. Yeah, I know. It's. Yeah. I mean, we we both don't really have much to say about how our weeks are this nah. week because I've got stuff I can't talk about yet, and you yeah. you've had a, a fairly mundane week. So yeah, I just, just sort of mention- getting back to normal. Um, yeah, I got the mole book during the week, and it's sort of interesting to see, like, because there's interviews with each of the players, and it they're like really sort of amazing race by what country would you like to visit sort of questions. Um, it's sort of interesting to see like what each player listed as their favourite season and who they listed as their favourite mole, because some of them are really obvious choices. And then some of them are like really like out of left field sort of stuff that you probably wouldn't pick. Yeah. For example, Renomi's obviously going to be Oregon for her favourite season. Yeah. And who would you pick as her favourite mole? Um, not Thomas, because you wouldn't be asking the question otherwise. Jan? Yeah. Oh, that was a good yeah. guess, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. This is disappointing you on your quiz already. <laughs> mm, that's all right. We can do the other nine. <laughs> no, please don't. Uh, <laughs> I'm retiring on a victory, unlike most of my quizzes. Well, too bad. Okay, so who listed Albania as their favourite season? And then their favourite moles, the moles from Albania, Italy, and Colombia. Well, that's got to be Yora, because you've never seen this show outside of Sequester. That's probably Yora. No, that was Fracchio. Oh. And speaking of no taste, Italy and Euroan. Yora. Anka. Oh, what? Anka, you're you're dead to me. I'm just going to guess Yora for any of the shit options, for the record. Okay. Well, Italy and Everon. Uh, Yora. Anik. You're not doing too well at this, are you? No, I'm not. Slightly less shitty. Dominican Republic is the favourite season. And then Colombia is their favourite mole. Hmm. Soy. No. That was Sarah. Ah. Yeah. So that's all five of the women. You only got Renomi right. My record with women is uh, is legendary. <laughs> well, let's see if the men are any easier. Mexico and Mexico. I'm going to go for Sander because he's old. Nope. Oh. Leave these ones a little secret to the end, so then that way the last one's not a complete gimme. El Salvador, Nicaragua is the best season, and then Jan Versteg is the favourite mole. Daniel. Nope. Someone with better taste than I expected then. Yep. So El Salvador again, and then El Salvador and Georgia is the favourite moles. Uh, Daniel. Yes. Yes, finally. Yeah. He has got good taste. He can be on my team. And Colombia is the favourite season. And then the favourite moles, three of them, Northern Ireland and Jordan, Oregon and Argentina. Uh, Sander. Nope. And finally, South Africa and South Africa. Yora. Yeah. <laughs> that one was obvious. Mm. So you got three out of ten. That's not too bad. Better than expected, being perfectly honest. So the Mexico ones were Nabil. El Salvador and Jan Versteeg was Sander. And then Colombia and, you know, all the weird moles was Soy. So three out of ten is not too bad. 
Well, thanks to you having the mole book here, we did find out that I was completely wrong last week about it potentially being only nine weeks, and it is indeed ten episodes. Yeah. I've just thought, actually, isn't isn't the image for week ten a picture of a yoker? Yeah. There's only one person in this cast obsessed with yokers, isn't there? Fuck. It could just be because that's the reunion and they haven't recorded it yet. Yeah, I hope it is. I hope his obsession with the yokers isn't a clue. Although I was wondering whether, you know, listing South Africa twice was a clue. I hope not. It's too predictable. He's too obvious if he's the mole. Yeah. I, I did I did laugh sort of reading it. Like everyone else is sort of given like the one word CBS bio answers. And then Yura's answers are so long they basically had to shrink the text to fit it on the page. Oh wow. Yeah. I'll send you a photo later. Yeah, I want I want to be able to guess them all. I don't want to be able to guess them all in like week one or two. Yeah. The fact of the matter is, in week one I was undecided about whether I was gonna suspect Soy or Yura. And I ended up putting Soy as my number two and Yura as my number four. Mm-hmm. I've always kind of been inherently suspicious of him, which is exactly why I want him to go, just so A, it's a bloodbath and it's hilarious and I can gloat, but B, more importantly, so he isn't the mole. Yeah. I don't want to be talking about how terrible a mole he was in five weeks' time. Yeah. You don't want to be talking about how I was right all season. Oh, no, I'll skip over that bit. That's all getting edited out, but the fact that he's a terrible mole, I definitely don't want to talk about. So Rick then meets Nabil and Soy and takes the envelopes and briefcases, dropping the pots officially to 4,300 euros. The other four are having a debrief and discussing what happens if the test asks questions about what the boys did and what they did as a team. And Daniel says it's a matter of trust. Do they speak the truth? Very interesting quote from Daniel, because speaking the truth is kind of the theme of this entire episode. They agree to give the boys minimal information and swap Daniel and Anka's positions over, like I'm sure that they wanted to do from week one onwards. It's interesting that they both both groups sort of came out with a strategy to, to lie about what they did, especially because like we never see a group of this size basically decide to just lie to one person or two people. And like I know it's because Fierce Mall especially hasn't done a split challenge in a long time. Like the, I think the last one was well, El Salvador and Nicaragua, because that was the like the mural challenge and then the pixel billboard. Like that was the last time they split the team up for a challenge. That was the last time there were like two separate challenges going on at the same time. And we love that when that happens in, in Belgium as well, because they're really good at it. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a good way to sort of like break up the season a little bit and stop every challenge from sort of feeling like, oh, we're doing the same thing, you know, every year. On the subject of doing the same thing every year, we've still not seen any exemptions and any laser games. Yeah. And what's weird is the mob book has a page with like the rules and everything. And it like says the black exemption is very important. I'm like, if the black exemption wasn't in this season, they would have taken it out. Like I assume they'd probably just copy paste for last year. But like, if it wasn't in this season, they would have either a taken it out or B changed it so it doesn't sound like it's this you know super important thing that everyone has but then also if there is a black exemption they are leaving it way too late to put it into the game yeah it kind of has to be next week especially because there's like no jokers really yeah because green exemptions have to get played by final five and there are currently three jokers in the entire game that are left unplayed and they were all earned in this episode yeah 
It's not like there's been many opportunity to earn, you know, five, six, seven jokers. So after the teams reunite, Soi tells Yura what to expect the next day and tells him about the dilemma that he will be facing. Yura asks if Nabil will share it with anyone, but Soi thinks not, and we then immediately cut to him telling Renomi. Yura says that he's going to pick the yokers, he doesn't want the money, Nabil isn't telling Daniel that if money is picked he'll get a yoker per envelope, and he will give Renomi a yoker too. They wake up on day 10 still in Tulbak, but heading to another place. Rick tells us that now there is mole money, Nabil and Soi have gambled more than half of the pot for the next challenge. The result of their gamble will come after a spooky night in their new location, Matches Fontaine. And they are staying at the Lord Milner Hotel, and another Daniel gives them a tour about the history of the hotel, and Anchor is immediately suspicious and goes into game mode. I love how he's like, I'm going to take you on a tour through history, and in my head I'm thinking, it's maybe not the best thing to do in South Africa. Yeah, especially when you read upon the history of the Lord Milner Hotel. Oh. And it's named after one of the generals from the Boer War. Ooh. I did also think it's interesting that in the locations for the season map thing that we've seen since episode one, they did have Matches Fontaine listed on there, but there is one challenge in Matches Fontaine. There are as many challenges in Matches Fontaine as there are at Saldana. Mm. Presumably they will credit next episode to Matches Fontaine as well, but still. Yeah. The Yura says he's scared of nothing and no one, but quickly realises that the hotel is haunted, and ghosts are his number one fear. I will say, as you might have guessed, I looked up the history of the Lord Milner Hotel, and Kate, as the ghost is actually called rather than Katie, is a playful ghost. Oh. She scared the living bejesus out of a maid, but she's not a malicious ghost, apparently. Oh, that is, of course, assuming that ghosts are real, which they are very much not. The lights flicker and turn off as they're eating, and Casey's portrait illuminates, and she says she wants to help them find the money from Nabil inside the next morning. But, in return, they must help her. It's helpful that Katie speaks Dutch to them. It's very helpful, isn't it? Yeah, especially considering the sign in the church was in English. Yeah, I mean, if she spoke English or, uh, or Afrikaans to them, they might have been fucked with all these instructions. So she really is a playful ghost. So three of them must head to Katie's card room and find everyone's likenesses. The other three will go outside and translate the light, and that is how you find out everyone's character. They must return before midnight with everyone's likenesses and flick the switch by her portrait to begin the challenge. This, I mean, this challenge was beautifully themed, but is an absolute stinker of a challenge. Yeah. I know you really hate the Josh Train game. Yeah, it's the worst challenge they've ever done. This is a close second or third. Like, there's been some real stinkers over the years. The Josh Train game, Elba, some, like, really awful challenges in the early seasons before they knew what they were doing. This is maybe the worst challenge, certainly the worst challenge I've ever had to podcast. And, you know, we just had the June game a couple of weeks ago. The reason that I hate Elba and the Josh Train game more is because they have the added side effect of being utterly game-breaking. Yeah. Because the Josh Train game ended up with the team losing, having the mole on it, which is an inherent disadvantage, and the only two people who were onto her in the entire season up until that point. So it ended up being a head-to-head battle between two people who knew exactly who the mole was and having to just do it on time, which is how Josh lost. Obviously, Elba is utterly game-breaking and utterly weird with the pacing of the season, 
and ends up with the mole being in the group that has to do a two in four elimination, which becomes a two in three elimination. This one at least isn't game breaking yet. My fear is that next week is going to have the ultimate twist of whichever team arrives first is immune and the other team's test results of what actually counts. Oh, probably. Which could obviously be bullshit. I'm hoping and praying that it won't be, because most of my predictions this season have not come true, and if I say it on the podcast, it won't happen. There's got to be some bullshit coming, because we we see pretty much nothing of the next episode in the preview. Yeah, it's the hardest time I've ever had trying to come up with the next time. Yeah. This is obviously a stinker of a challenge, Mm. but it's not as utterly game-breaking as the two that I've podcasted about that I really, really hate. Yeah. So they decide to send Renomi, Yura, and Daniel outside and leave Soy and Nabil inside, where Anka can keep an eye on them. And I will also point out, at this point, that this is the question on the suspect list this week, whether the mole is inside or outside on the Haunted Hotel game. So bear that in mind, anyone listening who is doing the suspect list. And remember, it's the Haunted Hotel game, not the church game. Yes, I was very specific in the question deliberately. So when they flip the switch, a light starts flickering outside, and they find a chest saying the language of light opens this chest. They solve the padlock to be Morse, and find translations of the Morse code alphabet on scrolls inside. The inside team spots the quote-unquote mirror in Katie's room, which is the worst mirror I've ever seen, mm-hmm. on which is written, you're going to help me set things right three times, that is where I will help you. The first thing that they need to fix is the soldier at the top of the stairs, they have two walkie-talkies, which means that someone has to go out of the room and correct things. Anchor is the one left in the card room while the boys go and investigate the stairs. And when they make one of the pictures crooked, they get the key to roommate team, where they find a portrait of Soy next to a switch, which starts a light flickering outside. Yeah, the soldier was too straight for me too. They also notice that Soy's picture has money on it, and that it is the bank where the light is flickering. They then work out that all they got to do is translate the word that the light is transmitting from Morse code, and that is the identity of the person on the picture. It feels like the only reason for this entire 25 minutes of the episode is to put a clue about them all in. But then, like, if it's the Morse code, it's too obvious. If it's the handwriting being, if it's like the writing on the mirror being the mole's handwriting, we've already done that a couple of seasons ago. So I don't know what the clue is supposed to be. Yeah, my suspicion, without venturing into the forums and without anyone DMing me on Instagram to say, oh my god, this is a clue to whoever the mole is. My suspicion is that probably the light at the start was the clue. Because that was the only one that we didn't see any translation for. Mm. I may be right, I may be wrong, but that would be my suspicion if the Morse code is a clue. Is it won't have been one that that deliberately had had attention drawn to it. It will have been the one over the box if they're going to put a clue in. The other thing that might be a clue is the episode title, because it's portraits. If it's not like directly related to these you know, Photoshop images that we see in this challenge, where else could it have been in this episode? Yeah, the one that is suspicious to me from that is actually Daniel's. And I was going to bring this up, because Daniel's one is him dressed as a priest. Yep. And the unifying thing this episode is churches. Mm-hmm. Both challenges had churches as the ultimate end point. That's the only thing I can think of, because Soy was in front of the the bank desk counting money. Yep. We had Nabil, who 
wasn't he photoshopped into a bus or something? I don't remember the one. The one note I made about that is Nabil's one technically wasn't a portrait because there were two people there. No, it's the car. He yeah. was he was photoshopped into the car, and then anchors made her look like an admiral or something or a general. I think it was. But yeah, Daniel's one stood out to me because he was dressed as a priest. Yeah. And that's a unifying factor in this entire episode. So the second mirror, quote-unquote mirror, is that she doesn't want any secrets. Her wet dress will reveal her secrets. Anka washes the dress in the room, but doesn't tell the boys. And She finds a code 745 written on it, and unlocks the diary, which contains a key for room 11. In room 18, they also find Nabil's portrait, and that switch lights up the car. Another interesting thing I have to point out is that car is in the intro, but with a ghost doing a jump scare in the intro. And we don't see that in the episode. It's the only thing that we've seen so far this season that is in the intro that hasn't actually occurred in the episode. It's the the outside flickering light image of the car, but then there is the jump scare with the ghost on it. The code at the bank reveals the word honest, question mark, with the perfect inflection, as Rick says later in the episode. And in room 11, Anchor and Soy find Yura and Anchor's portraits, but everyone keeps pushing the button at the same time and talking over each other on the walkie-talkie. The third assignment is that Katie wants her brother and sister in the entrance of the hotel to look at each other, and doing so makes the key to room 15 drop from the sky where Renomi and Daniel's portraits are. Renomi is a schoolteacher, and Daniel is in a church. All the inside group have left to do is to take the portraits back to Katie's room, and as Soy takes his off the wall, he realises there are words written on the back of them. The portraits spell out that the play money is in the pink church. The words from the Morse code are Nabil and Soy both with honest, Yura is smart, Anchor is devious, Daniel is cunning, and Renomi, we are told, is small. Katie then returns and says she hopes everyone has discovered each other's true nature, and behind her portrait is the key to the pink church where the money awaits. Rick meets them there and asks their respective natures. If they are correct, they will get to sit down in front of the box containing their money. Nabil even gets praise for the right intonation, and Renomi's is the only word that is wrong, and Rick lets her sit down, but takes the box away, immediately losing 1,250 euros from the pot. Stunned silence. Yeah. <laughs> when I was watching this episode, I fell asleep watching this challenge. Twice. Rick then explains the logic of the game, and that nothing is what it seems. He also explains that if they find money, it will be doubled, but Nabil or Soy, whoever put the money in the envelope, will get a yoker. Daniel is told to go for the money, and Soy has to tell Nabil to be more convincing. He does open the money envelope, and two and a half thousand euros goes into the pot. Yora's second is worried that Soy told him something different to what he just heard from Rick. Soy says he might give the yoker to Yora if he chooses money. He doesn't, though. Obviously, he chooses a yoker. And Anka is the final person to face the dilemma, and she's told to go for the pot. She says that she doesn't trust them, but in this challenge, she is trying to trust them. Yora butts in and tries to advise her too, but she goes through the yoker envelope, which actually does contain the yoker, giving them a massive minus 2,250 euros of 4,750 for the challenge, minus 1,550 of 6,750 for the episode, and 6,800 euros of 30,250 for the season so far. Editor's note, of course... I don't know what the maximum would have been for this challenge, really, if they'd got the maximum money for the season. They probably would have had boxes containing like 10,000, 7,500. As a result, obviously, just basing it on the figures we see in this episode. I thought it was odd that we don't know what they did with Renomi. 
but like all three of the envelope pairs we saw, the cash was in the cash envelope and the yoker was in the yoker envelope. And I, I feel like, you know, especially when you've got somebody like Yura that you know is going to take the yoker, why didn't you predict that he was going to take the yoker and switch them around? Yeah, because they were talking about that at the start of the episode. But based off our logic, if we're assuming that Daniel didn't get the red screen last episode, which is a fair bet, because if he had, then I think we probably would have seen a scene between him and Anka saying, just so you know, I got the red screen, so don't fuck up like I did. I think after this week, I think it was Soy. Yeah, it's got to have been Soy, which is the conclusion I came to last week. But Soy Mm. makes the most sense. In which case, you can rule Soy out, I would say. Mm. I think Soy and Renomi are my two lowest suspects right now as a result of that. Nabil is really tough because I don't think the Mole would want to sideline themselves for that first challenge. Especially when, if the Mole was warned where their money was in their envelope, then they could make sure they didn't go for it. Mm. Or, more importantly, where Yora's money was in the envelope and the fact that they knew... For a fact, he would go for any opportunity at Yoka. The mole can do what Daniel did and just take the money and have plausible deniability because there's no way in hell that Yora is not going to go for the Yoka. And also, either Daniel or Yora did sabotage with Renomi's word. They're the only people who could have sabotaged Renomi's word, meaning that they know for a fact 1250 is not going in that part immediately. It's a net zero if you think about it for Daniel, even though he does take the money. He only actually puts the money he brought to the table into the pot again. Yeah. So it's not as stupid as it could be for the mole to take the money and be the only person to take the money and look like a hero in this challenge. Especially when it was established last episode that nobody trusts him. God, Im- imagine how angry would be if they got all of these wrong and then they ended up with like 3,000 in the pot. Yeah. They would have ended up with 4,300 euros in the pot mm. of 30,250 if Daniel hadn't put any money in. It's a colossal failure, this challenge, both from a production standpoint and from, you know, a contestant standpoint. Yeah. Like, as bad as we think the Josh Train game and Alba and a couple of the other examples are, I think at least production got what they wanted out of those challenges. This one, I don't think anybody got anything. Like, even the editors couldn't really do anything because all the suspicious people were inside the hotel. So they basically had to try and build an episode out of making Renomi suspicious somehow. If you claim that you liked this second challenge, you are categorically Lying. wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> this was a stinker. Yeah. There's no word for it. It was a stinker. Yeah. There really is no word for it, is there? So Nabil then refuses to share his yoga with Soy as he actually ended it by helping Daniel earn money. All he can think of is why is he playing this game fairly. And they wake up on day 11 and slept badly. Anchor counts the money, and they get the official count of 6,800 euros in the pot. Rick meets them outside with their luggage and congratulates them for making it halfway and says they will be doing a two-day car ride through the Karoo. He warns them they'll get assignments along the way, but first, it is time for a test. So basically, they're doing the Oregon Trail thing again. Except, you know, this time without the fun theme. And the hilarious thing is, of course, that, as I said to you earlier, I looked at the remaining time when we started day 11 and went, Ah, oh, there's two minutes left. We're not even going to get a test or execution here. And we don't. So next time, a 15-question face-to-face test splits the group, and they realise that Rick has said nothing about an execution yet. This is one of the 
better ways they've done a non-illumination in quite a while. Yeah. I will give them a bunch of credit for not doing a bullshit non-illum twist. Yeah. Because we hate the non-illum twists on this podcast. But I like having a run on episode rather than non-illum. Yeah. The way they did it in Renaissance was obviously bullshit because they didn't have the buffer on it. But mm. if they have to do a non-illum episode, as they do this season because it's only a 10-person cast and 10 episodes, allegedly, yeah, this is a good way to do it. However, it is bullshit to mm. even think that there is not going to be a stupid twist that saves three of these people and probably saves the person with the red screen again. Yeah. My expectations are low for next week. And fair warning, if they do do it next week and do exactly what I'm anticipating them doing, there will be a bit of fire and fury because they haven't learned any lesson from Josh. And it will almost certainly end up with a big character going home. I'm starting to get to the point where I think Renomi is the runner-up. Because the runner-up is usually the sort of person they kind of hide a little bit just to, you know, so you don't feel as bad when they lose. But then, like, if she's the runner-up, then we're going to lose a big character next week. Yeah, because arguably it's probably going to be Soi going home next week because he won't have learned his lesson. Yeah, and then we've basically spent three weeks doing nothing except losing Arnik. Yeah. The hilarious thing for me would be if Yora goes next week. If Soi manages to save himself and it's Yora who goes home. Because whilst that won't cause as much of a bloodbath as when Soi goes home on uh, First Suspicions, it will be hilarious to see the sea of red that comes. Because I will point this out now, as bad as his suspicions are, including highlights being last week's Averon and Anik, Logan is the only one of the three of us who has never put Yora in the top so far. You will obviously lose a bunch if Yora goes. I will lose one because I suspected him last week. But Logan's not suspected him at all. Yeah, and I have to wonder what Logan's not seen that we are. Selfishly, obviously... Renomi needs to go before the final just so I am guaranteed top two draft mm. next year. But I think, obviously skipping ahead, that it's probably going to be one of Yora or Soy going next week. Yeah, I, I, I feel like probably Soy next week, then either Euro or Nabil the week after, either Daniel or Anka in fourth, because that's the sort of edit they do, like build that up and then cut somebody right before the final. Renomi is the runner-up, the other Daniel Anka winning, and then either Yura or Nabil is the mole. That that seems like the way they're sort of building things up at this point. But that would be kind of... Boring? Well, yeah, because I... Like, I know, you know, we've had a pretty good record of, like, picking who's going to go home and all that sort of stuff so far this season. But being able to pick, like, the entire boot order halfway through, I kind of... I would be bored by the end of the season if that was the case. Like, I want to be surprised. Yeah, my most boring option would be Yoru being the mole. Just because it's exactly the sort of thing that they would do over and over and over again, and it feels like they won't have learned their lessons. I obviously want Anchor and Daniel to be the top two. Because it'd just be perfect storytelling. Mm. So, 
Obviously not going to do anything on the pool or first suspicions this week because no one's gone home in this episode, but as of Sunday evening, Yura is the most suspected person by the Netherlands now with 23%, followed by Soyan 19%, Nabil on 16%, Anchor on 15%, Daniel on 14%, and Renomi on 13%. I can't believe 13% of the Netherlands think Renomi is the mole. I know, people are idiots. Yura, I think, was second bottom last week. So he's massively jumped up this week. And as always, you can do the Bothers Bar Suspect List each week at suspectlist.rtvwarriors.com or the link in our bio. And the final question, even though I know the answer, who do you suspect? Yura. Yeah, I think this is another week where basically Yura ends up in the perfect position in every single place he can, does everything he possibly can. Like, he feels a little bit like a Kazimor where like, as soon as you start suspecting him, like you realize sort of how obvious he's being, but like if he is the mole, I don't know what sort of sabotages they're going to have in the reunion that are going to interest people. Cause like, you know how sometimes they have like the really like secretive sort of sabotages that you couldn't have possibly noticed the first time, like the, the hidden key in the Dominican Republic. I don't think there's any of those sabotages this season. If you is the mole, like I can't, see where there would be any no i think if he's the mole he's done everything a bit too upfront and a bit too visible and a bit too obvious i feel like even the editors of this show and even the editors of netflix mole with all of their sins would not have made a mole this obvious yeah that's the one little kernel of hope that i have that yor is not the mole is that they just would have hidden him a little bit better. Although it's, it's really not until this week that they sort of started, you know, hammering home the point. Oh no, he's been he's been blatant for weeks. Because that's the only reason he was in my top two last week is because it had got to the point where he was just being a bit too obviously sabotagey that I had to put him in there just for my own peace of mind. Yeah. So anyway, second, I think Nabil again. It's kind of a default thing because I don't think anybody else has been consistently molly in the way that Yura and Nabil have been. And I think some of the things that could be hidden clues, the things I think could be hidden clues, I think are leaning more towards Nabil than Yura. But like, I don't think Nabil is consistent enough at sabotaging to be my top suspicion. Third's probably Anka. Yeah, like more suspicious than the rest, but if it is her, I'll be kind of disappointed. Although, to be honest, I'll kind of be disappointed with anybody being the mole this season. Fourth, I'm going to have to go with Soy. Even though you know, I think he's out next, I don't think he's the mole. Just because like a lot of the money being lost in the church challenge was connected to Soy. And like I know... You know, Euro being a dickhead is the main reason they chose the two Yoker envelopes and the main reason of Renomi didn't even get to open an envelope at all. But I feel like Soy is sort of low-level suspicious. And then Renomi, not Renomi. Like, if, if it is Renomi, she's been a terrible mole. And, like, I like Renomi. I want her to do well. But, like, if it's Renomi, we've had another wasted season. Daniel, I think, is making too much money. Like, pretty consistently, if they make money, Daniel is the one doing it. 
like in the church, like I know Daniel had the walkie-talkie and he was the one who wasn't really writing the notes. But then none of that would have mattered if Renomi hadn't been sitting people down in the wrong position. So I feel like Renomi slightly more than Daniel, but Christ, it's not either of them. So on that note, my bottom suspect as pretty much all of the season so far is Renomi for obvious reasons. It's not her. She wouldn't say yes. There's no way in hell that she would be the mole. Then it is Soy, for obvious reasons. It's got to the point where it kind of has to be him who got the red screen. So he's my my second bottom suspect, because we know he's not the mole. Then it's Nabil. Then it's the top three where it gets a bit more difficult for me, because my head says Anchor and Yura as my top two this week, but my heart says that Daniel did a lot of stuff wrong this week. Daniel was really sus in both of these challenges, and if it isn't Yora who was responsible for Anomi not getting her box, it is 100% Daniel Villan. And if it is not Yora who was messing with the walkie-talkies, it is 100% Daniel Villan. He was in prime position to sabotage both of those challenges and make both of them fail. And I mean... A third of the money in the original challenge is not brilliant. Arguably, from what you said earlier, they probably weren't going to get more than half, but a third of the money is not wonderful. And all of that is entirely due to Daniel and Renomi, I think. They weren't giving Anchor and Yura the mm. information that they needed to be able to succeed in that in that challenge. And the hidden portrait clue, I can only think I can only think it's the link between Daniel's portrait and churches. Uh, did we see a rubber duck this week? No, not that I'm aware mm. of. Because the, the closest thing I saw was like the yellow bird on Yura's shirt, but it didn't even look like a duck. It looked more like Twee. The one thing I do want to draw attention to, and this is a very pie-in-the-sky thing, so take this with a dead sea worth of salt. Yep. But you know how we mocked Yura's neckerchief in week two? Yeah. He had it on again this week. Yeah, I saw that. Specifically in the Spooky Hotel challenge. Yeah. And if you think about it, think about the cartoon Scooby-Doo. Mm-hmm. And Fred basically dresses as Yura did in that challenge for ghost hunting. To be fair, Yura is slightly less gay than Fred. And I'm only mentioning it now on the off chance that Yura is the mole and it ends up being a hidden clue of some description. But he basically dresses as Fred from Scooby-Doo in that challenge. As of the time of recording, which is Monday evening, my top two are Anchor and then Daniel. But that is very much subject to change. But yeah, as of the time of recording, I'm going Anchor, Daniel, and then Yora. But it may very well flip in the next few days before I actually properly decide. I think it's one of those three. With an outside chance of Nabil. But if you put a gun to my head and said split the group into a top three and a bottom three in terms of who's suspicious and who isn't, I would put Anchor, Daniel, and Yura in the very suspicious group and Nabil, Soy, and Renomi in the knot. Yeah. Have you got anything else you want to say? Can't think of anything. Excellent news. In that case, thank you for listening to our Vista Mole 2023 recap. We'll be back next week to continue the hunt for another new mole in South Africa. Don't forget you can contact us on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram, where we are RTV Warriors, or you can email us and contact us at rtvwarriors.com. Bin us on Twitter at the Grim Recapper, and I'm MJ Halmstone. You can also support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash rtvwarriors. Thank you as always to Marika for the subtitles, and we'll see you next week. And I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling candidatum. 
And one other thing I do actually want to mention is Logan's suspicions this week are, of course, Los from Georgia and the Pokemon Arcanine. <laughs>